When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> this is the Homance Chronicles, and I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicole. <laughs> and I felt like your voice was really high, and then I yep. had to match it. Yep, we just hung out in that upper octave for a minute. Not real sure. <laughs> It was like the question octave, like, is this really what I'm supposed to be saying right now? It, well, yeah, we um have only done this 250 times. <laughs> <laughs> 51 now. Right. Plus, you know, we had side things for a moment. Mm-hmm. Just like typical side side pieces, they don't last. <laughs> no. Sometimes they're more work than what they're worth. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you go in the archives, there's, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 of those. But it's just funny how it doesn't matter how many times that you podcast or start out a new episode or are familiar with recording. Every time you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. No. What is happening? Like panic mode is... It's like when your brain just blanks out and you're ready to give a presentation of your lifetime or whatever. It's stupid. Just... We like both confirm that we're ready to go. We're like, are you ready to start? <laughs> yes, yes. And then as soon as you hit record, it's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what are we saying? What's my name? <laughs> wait, we're actually, fuck, we're recording right now. All right, we got to start over. <laughs> You said you were ready. I thought I was. Oh, man. Never ready. Four years later. Right. Never Gosh, ready. you believe that next year we have been doing this for five whole ass years? We're okay. already beyond five years. No, we're not. There's no way. Yeah. I thought this was year four. Well, no. Nope. did erase a lot of my every. We didn't record for... I don't know, six months during COVID, maybe. But yeah, we celebrated our five-year anniversary together. Yeah, we did that. Oh, my God, we did. See? (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I don't know where I'm at. (laughs) I'm just here to talk to y'all about some some ladies of history today. Hoes, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're reclaiming that. Oh, man. I'm excited. Who is your hoe of history? Sometimes you update our shared note and I can get a preview. This time I did not. No, but she's on our shared note. So, um, yeah, I thought this this would be a good one just because, um, I don't know, current events, current affairs. I think this one kind of the the pattern in the story kind of goes along with injustice that we are seeing today. But yeah, let's jump in. So, 
I did my story today on Mary Beatrice Kenner. Okay. She is um, an American inventor. She was born May 17, 1912, and she passed away January 13th of 2006. So she had a, a quite a bit of stint, if you will, here, <laughs> here on this planet. I would argue that that's more than a stint. Yeah. That I is said, a long ass time. Yeah, that's, yes. <laughs> that is 94 years old. <laughs> I was like. Aggressive. Um, <laughs> she almost lived to be a century. Yeah. <laughs> And sidebar, because ADHD, one of my aunts is turning a hundred in in August. Like, oh wow! And she is still very much with it, and I am impressed and terrified that that's going to be future me. Like, I don't need ninety plus years under my belt. I don't. Yeah, I just had the same similar thought rush through my brain. Of I'm all set. Do I really need to live till a hundred? No, no. Probably not. I don't want to. I don't think, especially the like the progression of things in this country. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, she's with it. So as long as her physical health isn't completely deteriorated, then yeah. at least she, you know, can have some wherewithal of what to do with her day. Yeah. But um, at that point, though, I don't know. I mean, pretty limited. Right. I mean, she is Hungarian strong, Hunter P. She's mm. one of the she's one of the elders, as I like to call them. Mm-hmm. One of the OG holes that I have in my family who stems from the country of origin, and uh, yeah, she's a real humdinger of a lady. Love her to death. <laughs> she's she's the coolest lady ever. Okay, but she's back too to Mary. to die. Yeah, essentially. Maybe I should do a story on her one day. <laughs> All right, so Mary Beatrice Kenner, though. Um, so, yeah, she was an American inventor and really fucked over by racial ignorance. Ding, ding, ding. There's the key. She was a black lady. She had a litany of people in her family. I shouldn't say litany. She had a, a large amount of people. Everybody in her family had some sort of invention gene. So she was born in Monroe, North Carolina, and her whole family, I wrote this down verbatim, her whole family invented shit, like her whole family, (laughs) except not much is known about mom, not a lot of records. So we don't know what happened with mom. Everything, I I looked at quite a few different sources. Unfortunately, they all said the same thing for the most part. Um, And there was really nothing around her mom in any way, shape or form. With the exception of she's not mentioned because there's not a lot of information on her. So were there like a thousand kids, though? Did she have a bunch of brothers and sisters? No, that's the other thing. She had a, a sister who has a board game out in the universe. And she either had had a brother or maybe it was a cousin or somebody that was close in the family. But at some point, some articles say that she had a brother. Um, so I'm not real sure what the family dynamics were, if they were even fully, you know, fully brother, sister, maybe they've been half sisters, half siblings or whatever. Um, Mm. but yeah, so there are one to two siblings, a dad, mom is around, but not much is known. So her grandfather was supposedly of German and Irish descent. His name was Robert Fromberger. Uh, German. He invented the tricolor light signal for trains back back way back 
Um, and it was mm. in the, and the idea was stolen by a white man. Mm. So although he originally coined the invention, a white man circumvented his, you know, recognition just thanks to society and enabling that. And uh, he never. I'm like really this got- is a story, oldest time. Mm-hmm. It is oldest time. <laughs> <laughs> Repeats itself over and over. <laughs> Oh man, Beauty and the Beast is right ripping through my head right now. I can see the whole movie. <laughs> I'm watching it. I'm singing all the songs. Okay. <laughs> so mom and dad have their children. I believe she was the older sister. Um, but her dad, Sidney Nathaniel Davidson, he passed he was born June 1890, passed November 1958. He patented a few things in his lifetime. One, a clothing press that could fit in a suitcase, but it didn't make any money off of this one. And I have to assume it's because it was tied to race and nobody wanted to actually promote the product or market the product to sell it. So hmm. back in the day, people would, I should I should explain this. Back in the day, people would file for patents and there weren't a lot of patents out there. So companies sometimes would go through the patent list find something that they wanted to actually market and then contact the origin or or originator of the patent to work together with them to utilize their patented technology. So that was kind of the Unless they were black, apparently. Yeah, absolutely, actually. Yeah. So he also created a window washer for trains. He also created the stretcher with wheels for an ambulance. Hey. Wow. Yep. It is. Not a lot of recognition, and it bums me out. So I feel like I'm going to start doing more of these. But anyway, so her sister, Mildred Davidson Austin Smith, was born in 1916. She passed in 1993. She had um, multiple sclerosis, started in the 60s. But fun fact, so one of the articles I found said, fun fact, her brother and her sister were the first black folks to sing on the radio. And they had to ride a freight elevator up to the studio. Some stories say that she had no brother, so not really sure how that works. So at some point, her siblings sang really well. They were recognized in their little society as being able to sing. And they were invited to sing on the radio. Could not find any more information on that. Don't know. So, But I just included it, just in case. Okay. So, oops. Let me re-grab my window here. So Mildred actually invented, patented, and commercially sold board games, most famously called the Family Tree Edition. So family and then T-R-E-E-D-I-T-I-O-N. There's a website you can go to today. They still sell the product today. And it's a great little cohesive game for kind of like deep diving your family's ancestry and like understanding mm. each other better so it's really cool like i looked it up and you I was should like, get that before ah. your aunt dies so that you can do the whole history yeah there we go <laughs> just send her a bunch of questions yeah <laughs> i know she's got nothing but time i mean <laughs> my cousin sent a note or text message to everybody she was like you can send it and uh you know a card here's the address blah 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 and i was like i'm about to ask i'm about to send this woman a bunch of questions and have her send it back to me give her something to do shit (laughs) yeah start your family tree pen pal situation family tree pen pal oh tm trademarked 
<laughs> We're doing it. That's ours. We got to uh, keep going on Mary here. <laughs> did you have a pen pal growing up? Certainly fucking did. Yeah, I did too. Do you ever wonder like who, where did they get these kids? And like, were they really real? Like, I don't know if I ever got a letter back. I, I did. probably did. I did. I remember. And it was so cool. I thought being a pen yeah. pal was so freaking cool that I actually wrote her outside of school up to a certain point. And I think I have to ask my mom what happened. But I think that there was like this like group of teachers that connected and exchanged, you know, this type of shit at that level. I have to. Right. So for young imagine. people, this was prior to email. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. There was no digital format. It was all snail mail. So somehow calls. they connected with each other pre-internet across the world. Mm -hmm. And you would have communication with another student that is of similar age likeness to you in another country, usually, yep. um, as long as they knew English. Right. And, and so then, I think I do remember getting a letter back. It was so exciting. It was. It was the most exciting thing ever. I loved it. I don't remember. I think I even got a picture of them. I was going to say, I think pictures. I got like candy or something from their country in the letter. Nowadays, we wouldn't even trust something that came in the mail. No, it's anthrax. <laughs> Our generation <laughs> has been so traumatized <laughs> by all the ways that people try to kill each other. Society has turned. When we were in school, I think up until like, I'm going to guess like 95, when we were 10, 11, 12 years old, that's really when society took a turn for the worse. We were just along for the ride going, and it just <laughs> sucked from us immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It might have actually started earlier with all the low fat foods. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> They're trying to poison I... us from the jump. <laughs> I 100% wasn't paying attention to any of that because my family was like, fuck that weird noise. We ain't eating that plastic shit. Ain't no way. <laughs> There's no fad diets in my house ever. <laughs> oh, we had all kinds of gross stuff. No, no. My grandma was the one that did all the gross stuff. My mom was like, fuck that. We're just eating normal shit. That's just weird. <laughs> right. Uh, all, right. <laughs> all the no sugar, no fat stuff that was just yeah. replaced with chemicals. That's why I said it really started as soon as I came out of the womb. <laughs> Actually, fuck it. I was in the womb and shit got fucked up. Let's be honest. <laughs> Cigarettes. We're smoking them. <laughs> A drink won't hurt you. You know, that's a wine a day till you give birth ain't gonna hurt not a nothing. <laughs> mm. Maybe we all need to be chill. <laughs> okay. uh, anyway, so, that was a nice little memory lane of pen pails. <laughs> Nostalgia interlude continuing. It's <laughs> so funny. So, um, so Mildred, obviously, like I said, she developed a multiple sclerosis in the 60s. And that actually uh, kicked off or initiated some stuff for her sister, Mary. But when Mary was around six years old is like when she started to invent stuff. So like she looked at inventing a self-oiling door hinge. She also tried for a convertible roof that would go over the folding rumble seat of a car. So long time ago, there was rumble mm -hmm. seats that would sit on the outside of the vehicle. 
and they wouldn't have a covering. So she thought, oh, I can make a little canopy or something for that. Um, she tried to invent a sponge tip at the end of an umbrella to soak up rainwater. Not sure what the intent was. She was six. There's no documentation that I could find to show reasoning for it. I'm just like, what are we doing with this water? Are we drinking it? Are we giving it to the plants? <laughs> what's the end goal here? But she tried. And you know, that's what comes. Uh, and then lastly, they noted a portable ashtray that could attach itself to a cigarette pack. Six. She was six. Not me doing the same shit with my grandma. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go through her little timeline here. So in 1924, her family moved to Washington, D.C. And when she was young, she would try to walk the halls of the U.S. Patent and Trademark offices so that she become would become more familiar with the building and the patent process. I don't know how young she was, but 1924, I imagine she was roughly that age of like when you recognize the world as real. It's not just the world your parents created. And you Well, you know. said she was born in 1912, so she would have been 12. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> I haven't retained that, num- that number, so I'm glad you're here for this. <laughs> My assumptions were correct subliminally i fucking did that math it's fine um in 1931 she graduated from dunbar high and she actually did start to attend howard university go her however about a year and a half later she had to drop for financial reasons Mm. from then on she took multiple odd jobs to survive and i'm not super sure but this may have been when she lost her parents and that would be the reason she lost financial ability and also protection rights like she just kind of was like fuck what do i do now Mm. it's strange when you're you're feeling orphaned yeah and you're when really i guess you're more feeling abandoned but you're in an age where you're technically an adult but you're still childish yeah and i think a part of it too is just like having the black community as and being her family was a huge part of that like having the support Mm -hmm. through that community and her family was probably a huge foundation for her because when they moved you know they didn't shouldn't they don't say like she was really great at making friends you know her smile didn't light up the room and everybody loved her type shit she was definitely just trying to invent stuff all the time so um she continued to do like odd jobs here and there and then in 1941, she became a federal employee and stayed there for like the rest of the decade. So she started working at the trademark patent office in some fashion. Um, she also at that time would chaperone young women to attend military dances in DC. So there was a military base there. They would have dances so the soldiers could have, you know, entertainment with people who were not part of the military, especially women. So one night while she was there, she met and fell in love with a soldier. They ended up getting married in 1945, but they divorced in 1950. So she did at some point have a child also. And they just recently within, I wouldn't say like maybe the last 10, 15 years found that out and found her, her name's Jasmine. uh, And she was discovered growing up in South Dallas. That's all I got. Oh, wow. So she gave her up for adoption at some point? It could be yeah um but again that was just uh, a source that she has a child nothing in her chronology chronology is that a word nothing in her story outside of that tidbit from wikipedia stated she had any children mm. so not really sure but hmm. um 
So while she was at her job at the trademark office, she was definitely trying to get more involved in the science and education, like professional training, et cetera. But she was absolutely kept from it due to the fact that she was a woman, but more so because she was a black woman. So like she tried to, she got her foot in the door. She tried to get in there and, you know, make some changes and make some things happen. And it just fucking wasn't happening. So she said, I've had enough. And in the fifties, she opened up her own floral business and became a professional florist. So she ended up running the flower shop initially. Then she ended up having several locations spread out. I don't know how many. And she ran them into the 70s. So from the 50s into the 70s, she was a professional florist inventing stuff in her spare time, which was kind of neat. Like, kind of sounds like the dream. Right? I thought, I just, I hear you say inventing centerpieces. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <now. laughs> she was doing a lot more than that. Uh... It's so funny. So. <laughs> Um, in 1951, she met and married James Jabo Kenner. So remember, she got divorced in 1950, and in 51, she married James. So I have to imagine there's some sort of overlap mm. there. And um, so he was actually a renowned heavyweight boxer at the time. So she kind of married up a little bit. Uh, they ended up living in McLean, Virginia, near the Kennedys complex. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those, those Kennedys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up fostering children, five boys. They ended up adopting one called Woodrow at some point. So I don't know the timeline of when she moved out of D.C. area into her permanent residence in Virginia with James. But um, I, I don't so I don't know if it happened before or after the rest of the stuff I'm getting ready to say. So in 1954 she applied for her first patent she could finally afford it this is the patent she's the most known for and that is the sanitary belt patent so in 56 her patent got approved it was described as an eliminator for chafing and irritation normally caused by devices of its class so there was already a sanitary situation out there so for those of you who are not familiar with the history of sanitary products and how they came to be Women had to put a fucking belt around their waist that had clips on it that would go down to their crotch. And in that crotch area, it would clip in to a pad or some sort of device that would hold a pad close to you so that you would bleed into it. Sorry it's graphic, but that's our fucking reality, so deal with it. So. Really? Still into the 50s? Absolutely. The 50s were absolutely the most antiquated times hunter p there was no such thing as tampons tampons and sticky pads didn't show up until the 70s and she's part of the reason that happened so wow yes i mean because i think about my like mom and grandma right my mom was born in 58 she wore a sanitary belt ask your mom ask your grandma my grandmother told me these things and that's why i know for sure she would have to carry the big ass pad boxes You know, because they were fucking 18 inches thick with all the cotton there that they were supposed to use to absorb the blood. So they were very embarrassing to walk around with also. And they were not discreet. And then they would affix them to the little sanitary belts. Hmm. Interesting. It's offensive. 
the invasion in our lives at that point in order just to be accepted not even like feel okay just to be accepted by society because i'm not bleeding all over my fucking clothes um so she actually originally invented it in the 20s but she couldn't afford the, the patent at that time so she saved and saved and saved and while she did she was actually improving upon the patent so that when she did submit it um it was like the most up-to-date one so she used those before her who were patenting things to kind of keep up with the times so she would go in she would look at the patents and she would make updates to hers as they were coming out (laughs) excuse me the main goal of her invention was to prevent bleeding onto clothes which was a very common occurrence for women back then because it was just so loosey-goosey all over the map you're in a pad that's being held on to your body with a fucking belt and clasps there's no elastics there's no you know plastic spandex blend keeping things tight it's all willy-nilly shit kind of like well, the 1800s well and it makes you think about like cloth diapers yeah. and all that stuff right because those probably couldn't really hold much no if you were gonna do an adult cloth diaper mm-hmm. I'm just like, what other undergarments were there at that time? Not, there were not. There has to be something. We can do the history of it one day because it is important. But certainly, hmm. she made some incredibly aggressive statements with her invention. Okay. Um, because the belt was a revolutionary. Uh, the belt was revolutionary because it allowed women to change pads while on the move before it was not you couldn't you had to take the whole belt off so she created clips that would clip out and clip in with the new pad so she advanced it so like women had before would have to take off all of their clothing waist Mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. to replace the full undergarment yeah i could foresee men being like well now you're going to be in public touching that and throwing that away somewhere where are you going to put it exactly (laughs) we have special little cans fuckers Uh, so second to reason it's revolutionary it was the first time to have adhesive to keep the pad in place and most do believe this is where the self-adhering pads got their start so she was the first person to be like we should probably affix these things so they don't slide all over the fucking place. Yeah, that's why I was thinking like this happened much sooner because I'm like, it's not like they didn't have glues and adhesives by then. Nope. So she was the first one to say, let's I'm pretty this sure out. <laughs> kids were sniffing rubber cement in those days. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> At some point she was like, you know, instead we of sniffing it, we use. should put it on the back of our sanitary napkin oh it's so funny so yeah she was the first person to be like chemicals to help us <laughs> instead of hurting let's help so in 57 yeah. like i said earlier she was finally contacted by a company who was interested in marketing her patent for her sanitary belt the company son nap pack heard about the invention and contacted her to set up a meeting for a rep to go and meet her so the rep was from new york they may have called her on the phone, sent her a letter. I don't know. But she said, and I quote, one day I was contacted by a company that expressed an interest in marketing my idea. I was so jubilant. 
I saw houses and cars and everything about to come my way. So as the racism goes, the rep came from New York, met with her, went back to New York and let her know that since she was black, they no longer had interest in moving forward with her, her patent. That was her experience for the entire time her patent allowed for her to make royalties off of it. She was continuously turned down by large pharma organ companies across the United States. And when her patent finally went public, that's when they jumped on it and started to create their own versions of the sanitary belt with all of her implementations within her improvements within. And she got zero recognition and zero royalties for her invention after that. Mm. God. It just makes I like so it makes angry. my stomach hurt. Yeah. Oh. It makes me sick to my stomach to think that this poor woman was able to pour 20 plus years of something into something that's really going to improve people's lives, women especially, but because she was black, nobody wanted to touch it. It it makes me want to vomit. So between 1956 and 1987, she actually did, in fact, receive five total patents for her household and personal creations while she was managing her floral shops in D.C. So like I said earlier, she's an American inventor. She is still to this day the only black woman to hold five patents. Only woman to hold five patents. Really? Active, actively. Yep. Wow. I believe that was the statement let me make sure most patents held by any african-american woman yep i don't know about woman statement but any african-american woman so she still to this day holds that record so ladies if you're black and you're listening to this get to inventing we can do better <laughs> we can do better uh, so uh well you know i wonder how many people are you know women black women uh have invented something or have a product but it's not patented yeah go get it patented it doesn't matter if you think a company has interest in it or not i'm gonna give i'm gonna soapbox it for a minute patents are inventions that nobody owns until they are owned so if you have an invention you need to get it patented first above all do don't worry about if fucking people have interest in it if companies have interest in it get it patented first that's your step number one that way nobody can steal your invention if you're trying to market it to them it's just yours. Mm -hmm. So if any company takes it and they want to start marketing it, utilizing it for their product, whatever the case may be, you get a kickback. Right. So if you have patents or ideas or inventions, write it down, go to Google, figure out how to get it patented. It's super easy anymore. You can see if it already exists. Like we can do, we can do this. Yeah. So, I mean, cause I immediately was thinking like, I'm sure there's somebody who's come up with their own type of like, wig glue or eyelashes or something that they've invented but it's just not it doesn't have paperwork right <laughs> so she like i said her sister kind had uh came down with multiple sclerosis in the 60s and so she ended up patenting uh like because she had a walker she patented patented a um a way for people to carry things with her walker so you could attach it mm. to the walker itself okay that was in 1976 she also shared a patent with her sister for the toilet paper holder 
like our modern day toilet paper holders are from her patent. <laughs> and in 1987, she patented patent. Is that the <laughs> right word? Patented? Well, <laughs> not said that way. <laughs> patented. Patented. She got a patent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a backwasher that could be mounted on the shower or bathtub wall, also known as backwash. So she was like, this would be so smart. Let me patent this thing. So she actually got it. So she holds five. I have to assume that the money she made, if she made any kickback from any of the patents that she held, plus the floral shops, you know, helped them live through. Um, so, well, I wonder what her husband did after he was done boxing. No clue. And how successful of a boxer was he? You I know, mean, he was fairly successful. There was never mention of just struggle get after hitting the face so many times oh yeah i mean that's but that's between them you know that relationship if he's a veggie <laughs> but there was never that's not what i mean i just mean at some point you have to transition to making your own grill <laughs> right but yeah they never had any mention of any fiscal issues from you know okay, good. 87 on so i have so maybe to assume... maybe he did something do yeah. we know if george foreman that was really his idea or did he take somebody's <laughs> invention i have a feeling george may have taken it but who am i <laughs> oh, business continued as usual <laughs> in her life and from 87 to when she had her last patent to 2006, there was not much more information on what she did, except for surviving, running her floral shops, living with her five boys that they fostered. Uh, so she ended up passing away January 13th, 2006. She was in D.C. when she did. Unfortunately, she never received any formal recognition for any of her work, even though her inventions and other various contributions have helped pave the way for other patents later down the line, i.e. the sticky pads. And that concludes our story of Mary Beatrice Kenner. Wow. I know. And the toilet roll? Come on. I know. And so, like, all right, let me go ahead and get my sources really quick. First one, vaginamuseum.co.uk. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> Wikipedia, boardgamegeek.com, familytradition.com, blackpass.org, and Lemelson, MIT. Edu. but yeah give so these like, women what they deserve honestly so Fuck's sake so like if you go and look at the patents that she actually like submitted they're all very very um easy to understand if you will they're not super complicated they're not you know overdoing it in terms mm -hmm. of like the all details. the ones that i've seen have been for car parts and they're extremely over-engineered yeah like i'm looking at the ones she had submitted for the walker and there's maybe 50 touch points for a patent that's a lot but at the same time for what it is it makes sense like it just really depends and so essentially what it was was you have your walker right and you have the it's shaped like a c to keep the curve of your body from interrupting the walker and so she created a flip tray that would 
flip from the front of the walker up onto where you put your hands to stabilize yourself so you had a tray. Super simple. There was only three figures, and it's a patent, which means if anybody uses this patent or any likeness to it, she gets a kickback. Mm-hmm. Or is supposed to. Right. Correct. If things are done according to code or whatever. <laughs> That is your moral code. (laughs) (laughs) That thing. Uh, But yeah. So highly recommend looking her up. Highly recommend looking at her patents and inventions. And highly recommend um, people patenting their shit now. I mean. Get that money, honey. That's crazy. It is interesting how some people just have brains that work that way. And they get real hyped up on it and um um it me hi if i could (laughs) sit if my job was to invent things all day i would be i don't know i can't say oprah rich she's not a valid rich person anymore bezos rich (laughs) oprah rich is still very valid sure but she doesn't have like fucking spaceship money and that's where i'm at right this Uh, buying out <laughs> Twitter money, <laughs> yep. turning it into X money. I don't know. Uh, man, well, thank you for telling us about her. I don't recall putting her name on the list. I'm sure one her. of us came across her at some point, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we did because shit, she needs recognition. I agree. So thank you for doing the homework and for sharing. That was a good story. I just wish there was more about her, you know? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, if she didn't get the credit that she deserved while it was happening and while she was alive, then there's not going to be a ton of story to tell. So This is also true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to turn that into a bummer. So how about we turn this around? <laughs> I was say, is it at a girl time now? <laughs> it is at a girl time, which is where we pat ourselves in the back for something good that we've done or something good that's happened to us. And um, do you want me to go first? Yeah. yeah okay. Because yeah. uh, technically I have two. I just didn't want to double dip on one of them. Okay. So... My girl is that for the past six weeks, I have worked out four or five times a week. Good for you. Um, begrudgingly. <laughs> it's an argument with myself every time. <laughs> I've even put shoes on, had the whole outfit on and still not done it and then had to make up for it. So, um, as somebody who doesn't actually enjoy working out, it is quite the pat on the back. <laughs> proud of you. I am proud of you because that is an aggressive move. Um, it has not affected my weight in any way, shape, that's, or form. You know that's okay because you're you're balancing it out. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, the other, which was the thing I said I didn't want to double dip on because I'd used this before, which was that I had scheduled a mammogram. Well, I went and did the mammogram. So I'm continuing to 
uh, push that women need to go do their screenings. And I had learned that you don't have to wait till you're 40. That no, insurance is covering it now earlier. I think you can start at 35. Some are saying even 30. Which is good. Fine by me. Which if you have, you know, cancer or specifically breast cancer in your family, then you might want to start at 30. Um, however, I am knocking on 40's door and just had my first one today. And, you know, it didn't hurt as bad as I thought. Maybe because so many women talked about your boobs being smushed that it was painful and or they they've watched it from working in a hospital or something. I don't know. But it was only four images and it was quick. So I didn't really find it to be painful. It was a little uncomfortable, but it was fast. But my boobs are also very squishy. (laughs) Yeah, they're huge. So, well, yeah, I mean, this is an overshare, but I am definitely perimenopausal in my own definition. No one has said that I am. She's manifesting it. It's fine. I'm not manifesting (laughs) it. Trust me. I am living it. And um, I have decided that this is the situation. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, my boobs have grown about three sizes. And um, it's, I guess, typical or maybe not typical, but it's not uncommon for women who are going through perimenopause for their boobs to grow at least two sizes. And so not only was I having to do my first mammogram, but I was having to do it with these gigantic, ridiculous things where the woman's like lifting them onto the tray. And I'm like, these are fucking heavy when you're like, when she's like doing it one by one and you're like, wow. And then, you know, it's like, unsticking off of the tray and like flopping back I'm like these are really fucking heavy (laughs) so yeah Uh, I mean I was I was letting I was basically sitting there wondering like how you know this woman looks at boobs all day doing the mammograms and there's women who have way bigger boobs than I do and I'm just like how does this how does it work? Like, do you become desensitized to insanely large boobs when you do that job? It's got to be it, you know, but like you just figure whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> this is a thing now. Yeah. But I always feel like mine's a surprise because I don't necessarily wear things where they're just like out there. Right. So. I'm just like, okay, I'll take my scrub top off. And then I'm wondering if she's like, whoa, where did those come from? (laughs) And let me get my workout in lifting these suckers on and off the tray. I mean, I have a feeling like it's one of those things where she was probably like, dang. And then it was just fleeting for her, you know. (laughs) She probably doesn't even think about it at all. She's doing touching boobs all day i don't think <laughs> never know man <laughs> not everybody's a robot i don't know but yeah the proportion though of my band size <laughs> to cup size has become increasingly difficult to actually find bras that fit 
so um it has yeah it's it's really become a thing and so you're like okay well knocking on menopause's door (laughs) i mean i'm here for you (laughs) hot flashes and all i got you boo I think my mom's been going through menopause for like over 10 years. But <laughs> my mom did too. My mom started around 40. I don't think it ended until like 50. No, I think my mom still might be going through it. And she's almost 70. No. No. I don't know. She also had breast cancer. So there's quite a bit of hormone mixy uppy things going on over there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But she's good now. She's out of, she's, you know, full remission. No worries, everybody. She's good in case you were worried. But yeah, gosh. I mean, I I do have, my Attagirl is medical related. (laughs) It doesn't have to be. No, it is. I'm fucking proud of this. Okay. Uh, I waited on the phone for 40 minutes to schedule an eye doctor's appointment with the eye specialty eye doctor I have to go to because of my myasthenia gravis. And after 40 minutes, I was able to get an appointment for January 31st, 2024. Jesus. Our medical system is so jacked. You know, it's like, from what I hear of the free healthcare situation in Canada, it's kind of the same thing where you have to wait for a long time in order to see these people. Here we have to wait and we have to pay. You, correct. Yes. So we're just super fuckity fucked. Uh, yeah. So that would be that would be that. That's my atta girl. At Forty minutes is a long ass time. Sure is. Sure is to navigate that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, secondary to that phone situation, uh, I was able to initiate my four hundred one k rollover. And they made it, the company made it absolutely the most confusing shit ever to do. (laughs) Like the company that I'm trying to pull money out of is just, their customer service people are so great. And I know this because I've had to call them several times. The company itself is just, they're shady. I don't trust them. They Hmm. put all these things in place to make it very difficult to access information on how to like take your money out of their shit Mm -hmm. closing your accounts turning all your hsa stuff off it's a like i have to fax information in faxing it in i can't Mm -hmm. email it has to be faxed or mailed Mm -hmm. yeah that's not uncommon no i know but like it's 2023 (laughs) They're probably thinking you should not think that we're shady because we're making you take these extra steps and have your actual real signature and not just a scanned version of the document, you know? I see this as loops they're trying to get me to jump through so that I won't actually end up jumping through them so that I lose all of my money and they get to take it. Ain't gonna Mm. fucking happen. Not happening. Nope. Mm. I'm jaded. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a little bit of both. They don't make it easy, no. No. But at the same time, there is probably an element of security, I suppose. Yeah, no, I mean, like, in terms of, like, accessing the information I needed to roll that money into a new account, it was, like, click, actor, click, after different website, 
with different mm. look and feel, different information, not with the same company. Is this really your website or is this a third party website that I'm dumping my info in? Where does this go? Who's going to see it? You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, then that's that's the opposite of secure. <laughs> no, it's that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. My point, like not just submitting all this information at one place. It's here's a site I have to go in to get Which the info. There's a pop up window. Yeah, it's not it's not. I didn't. I mean, especially since you work for large corporations. I think, well, that's the corporation that I is by far the worst I've ever been at in my life. So, okay. Well, it's not surprising. Shit trickles downhill, man. We weren't supposed to end on another bummer. (laughs) No, it's fine. I got, oh, that's like part is like, it's not a bummer because I got things sorted. I was on the phone. I got it figured out. I had my. You know, financial advisor helped me. He advised me on how to do these things. And so we've gotten out of the weeds on both of those things. So <laughs> cross those bitches yeah. off my list. That is triumphant. Yes. Oh, yep. man. You know, maybe well, I have some time to build up my HSA to put, you know, money on new frames or something by the time I get my eyes done. <laughs> right. Long up. game. <laughs> Won't be using that insurance money this year. You got six months to plan for it. <laughs> oh, bitch. That's wild. It is it's so crazy that that's how far out it is. It is. And the lady delivering that message, she's like, okay, so um, I... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, lady, it's fine. Just tell me what you got. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Well, if you liked what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe. We'd really like for you to share us with your friends. And you can submit a whole of history for us to do um, by commenting on our social media on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles. You can email us at homancepodcast at gmail.com. You can get homance merch in my Etsy shop. It's etsy.com slash shop slash Nicole Bonneville. And we still have the closed group on Facebook rolling. Uh, it's really two or three contributors that keep it alive but um if you don't mind having the occasional surprise on your feed <laughs> then you can join the homeland's chronicles a judgment free zone <laughs> and i think that's all right yeah i think that's it homeland's out bitches <laughs> <laughs>